Link to down Mifton. to down to. Yeah. Um, miffed and peeved. Miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. I don't use it, but it's a real one. I don't use it, but it's a real one. Not in your Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. No. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, also dailythunder.com. We're featured on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. Today, I've got my friend, Michele Barra, on the line. Michele, how are we doing today? Oh, we are doing, we are doing great. I mean, uh, we are starting to go in that part of the season, which is incredibly exciting. Like, not yeah. just Thunder, but everyone in the NBA seems to... Like get it rolling, like Donovan Mitchell, Rubio, Anthony Davis. Like yesterday, I watched that game; it was unbelievable. And we had like many games this week, uh, like that one. So I'm really excited about the next few months. And it makes it a little bit more exciting that the Thunder have actually won a couple games. They uh, they beat San Antonio Saturday night, and that was one that we we kind of downplayed the importance of the Rockets game just because. We knew how well the Rockets had been playing. We knew how poorly the Thunder had been playing. We, the math is pretty simple there. Uh, but that San Antonio game was definitely a game they needed to win. The Spurs have been in a free fall lately. Uh, but still, like, they're still the Spurs. Like, they're still coached by Greg Popovich. Like, they still have LaMarcus Aldridge. And the Thunder have screwed around with so many different teams this season and lost to so many bad opponents that it wasn't inconceivable that they lose that Spurs team. Uh, but they beat them by 10 uh, in a game where Carmelo Anthony scored two points and Stephen Adams goes out and Paul George was 4 of 16. If I read you those stats, you'd probably say there's no way they win, but they won mm. by 10. Yeah, to me, the most important thing about really the last... Like, I, I may even count Houston uh, in some sense. Um, like, in the group of games where the Thunder really tried to play defense according to some rules. And the main difference between the Houston games and the Houston game and the other ones is that they changed the way they guard some situations, for example the pick and roll. And they did it now because they had like a four games homestand to prepare and to practice like every day. And so it makes sense now that uh, like Robertson is gone for like a good amount of time and they have a new starter in place of him um, to like to, to change the way they guard the pick and roll and uh, to get to the point in these last few games they were extremely consistent in what they were trying to do and no matter how bad the offense was because it was really bad um, in every game except for the Phoenix Suns um, they they didn't let the offense dictate it the way that they were going at defense which is very important, and I thought that the Spurs game was the perfect example of that. Now it would be better if uh, Paul George goes to like reasonable percentage and Melo does the same. But it is a very important sign that this team has tried to 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 apply uh, the rules that the coaching staff is giving them uh, on the defensive side. Yeah, they look like a different team Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, it it just they looked like an NBA basketball team that knew how to play together, 
they had a, I mean, their bench was outstanding. I mean, Jeremy Grant, 15 points on five shots. He got to the free throw line and made his free throws. He, he was spectacular. Uh, Patterson played actually more minutes than Grant did. And I thought that he, he's been really good lately, um, on both ends and contributing in a lot of ways. Uh, I thought Felton played fine. He had five assists in that game. Our guy, Alex Abrinas, got 18 minutes off the bench. He was three or four from three. Uh, I thought his defense was pretty good. He had a couple nice rebounds. I, I thought he had some nice passes, too. Uh, he played really well. I asked Billy, basically, like, what can <clears throat> Alex do to become, like, a cemented part of the rotation? And he gave me some BS answer, basically, <laughs> <laughs> that meant there's nothing he can do. <laughs> He said, like, he's improved on defense over the, you know, since last season, off the ball tremendously. And then he finished with, but we'll use him when we need to use him. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, if you look at how he impacted the game against San Antonio, like, he was very convinced, uh, no time waste, immediately trigger from three uh, in all of the occasion he had. Yep. Um, and that kept the defense offense for the, uh, honest for the rest of the game, basically. They had to close on him because it was really fast and really decisive in what he was trying to do. And, like, I don't want to, to, to go back at Ferguson because there's no need to. Um, but sometimes I wonder if playing a Brinus, like, these kind of minutes, like 15 to 18 minutes, wouldn't be great for the Thunder for the rest of the season because of his, like, he's a threat. And if you sub him for Brewer um, immediately, like in the first quarter, and you let him play maybe a couple of minutes with Patterson, that can be great for your offense. And and the defense seems to be better, as Billy said. And so, why not? I mean, there's there's no need to, to play other guys, especially if you are trying to, to achieve what the Thunder are trying to achieve. Right. Speaking of Corey Brewer, 30 minutes... He's in, he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, twelve points, a steal and a block. He had two corner threes that he made. I don't know what to do about this. Like I just I was sitting next to John Hamm and I just looked over at him like I don't know. Like I don't know what's happening. I don't <laughs> he, like Core Brewer is like a three point specialist now. Um, I have no idea. I have no idea what to do about this. McKelly, what do I do? What do I, what am I supposed to think about this? I mean, nothing. Uh, like the, the deal with me, uh, about Corey Brewer is I don't particularly care and look for how many trees he makes. I know that it is, uh, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the point is a, he has shown that he can either take the three point corner, the corner three or to attack. And he did it twice against San Antonio. And I think he did it perfectly. Um, and second, I look more to his to the thing that he does when he's not parked in the corner. And so far, that is the most uh, most encouraging thing I saw about Brewer uh, on offense. Because he is moving, he is cutting, he is not dribbling the ball too much. Yeah. Uh, and that is crazy important because now th- there is a, another part in the Thunder offense that he is moving. And I saw him doing the baseline screen uh, play together with George that allows George to to sprint through that screen and Steven Adams one to to free up himself from three, which is very important because Paul George is one of the most efficient player coming um, when 
been using screen and screens. And so if you add this, that movement part to your offense, that is already enough for me uh, to, to say that Brewer will be at least serviceable for the rest of the season. If you add the three-point shoot, the three-point shot from the corner, which will not be consistent, um, or at least it hasn't been consistent from his whole career, basically. So there's no reason to expect that that will be the case. Now, it's still valuable. If, if again, if he shots like 32, 33% for the corners, which is not great league-wise, it's a great addition anyway, because it, it creates so much more uh, variance in Thunder offense. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like his nickname should be Agent of Chaos because he just like creates chaos when he's on the court. And it's it's either for the other team or it's for the Thunder. Like you saw him on that fast break where he blew the alley oop. Like I was just like, Oh that like that's classic Corey Brewer right there. Um but then he's hitting his shots and he's playing good defense and he's moving on the offensive end. It's a very helpful player. Like the Thunder really needed a guy like that. And a guy that's not going to sit and watch the ball. Like I, I really love Josh Eustis. I think that he's a good player. I think he's a great person. I think that he can have a good NBA career, but he just watches the ball too much and doesn't move as often as he needs to and doesn't really draw the defense to anything. Um, and then if he's not the defender that Andre is on the other end, then it's really tough for him to remain as a starter. But I, I feel like he's found a pretty nice role off the bench in these few games that Brewer has started. You know, he came off the bench. He was a plus 17. They had a really nice run with that bench group that had, that included Grant Patterson. Um, but he's, he's come in. I think he's hit a three in mm-hmm. like eight of the past or seven of the past eight games. And he had that monster dunk from, uh, yeah. from Russell. I mean, I feel like he's found a nice role. I think that like 10 to 12 minutes off the bench, especially when you have Corey Brewer playing this well, like it just makes everything fit so much better. I felt like everything kind of slid back into place with Brewer, uh, which is something that I would not have expected. Like, I, no. So it's no. it's been positive so far. I don't know how long it will continue. It may continue through the playoffs and the Thunder you know, make it to the second round and push somebody in the second round. I mean, that would be wonderful. Um, but I still am cautious about his overall impact through the rest of the season. Like I, I just, I just worry that we'll have another Karan Butler situation on our hands where Butler came in, played really well, um, through the regular season. And then the playoffs came and he fell off a cliff. And I don't know if that will happen with Corey Brewer, but I'm just saying I'm cautious about, the kind of impact that he can have going forward. Yeah, and it's right to be cautious uh, in this kind of situation. Uh, but what I saw again, um, that, like you, the, the shot can come and go, um, but the, the the things that are steady is the one that depends just on yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, the fact that you see and make a cut is something that you can control. Like every time, you cannot control how many trees you make. Uh, you cannot control like how good is your opponent, uh, but you can control how many times you actually fight to go over a screen, which is the other thing that Corey Brewer is doing at a very, very good, um, mm. in a very, very good way uh, on the defensive side. 
and surprisingly, Rust did the same against uh, against Spurs. That I'm sure will not continue uh, until the playoffs because he will do it like whenever he wants, which is not tonight, for example, against uh, against Sacramento. I'm almost sure of that. But uh, so if Brewer does the thing that he he can, like he, where he has full control on, then this will be already something. And about Houston, I mean, there's plenty of players in the league that are ball watcher uh, on offense. Sure. Uh, there are wings, like, for example, Houston's offense is way less uh, in motion than the Thunder one hmm. when uh, Robertson was playing, for example, because they have just to attack with one with either um, Harden or, or Paul. They have just to set a screen with Capella and the other guys has to stay put yep. because they have to wait for a pass, which is a perfect role for Eustis. Whenever he decided, whenever he will be able, and I'm sure he will, to shoot uh, above 33 percent from three. But with Melo on the floor and with a point guard that doesn't like to move as much, uh, and it's not a, it's not used as a spot up three, uh, three point shooter in Russell Westbrook, then you need to have someone who moves. Otherwise, the offense is too stagnant. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say well, Josh can have like a reasonably good career. Uh, I'm not sure that he. That will be with OKC. Uh, if he's comfortable coming off the bench and playing for the minimum for another season, then probably they will they will bring him back. Um, but it's not the best uh, player to play with uh, a guy like Melo and Russ. Uh, for example, if we had like Patterson from the beginning in the starting lineup, then yes, because he's a good ball, move, ball mover and he can do that. Like he can move, and Josh can stay in the corner. So it's it's all situational, and I think that Brewer fits well with the starter because of his creating chaos, as you said. Yeah, uh, Melo just had such a weird game. Like he he really wasn't a part of the offense. He took eight shots that night, played thirty two minutes. Uh, he actually like filled the stat sheet pretty nicely. Besides that, he had seven boards, two assists, a steal, and a block. Uh, but he just wasn't good, though. Like, he just had a really bad game. And I just wonder, like, I look at Melo and I think, I don't think he's in very good shape. Like, I don't think he's in, like, good physical shape. And I just wonder if, like, his body is just kind of wearing down as the season goes along. And I think that rest is, like, really necessary for him. And I would hope that they would rest him on in one of these next two games. Uh, maybe in Atlanta they arrest him. Like that wouldn't surprise me, but I think that he needs it. Yeah, that's a good point. And another thing that we said a lot, uh, or at least I said a lot at the beginning of the season was, we don't really know what's the plan in terms of conditioning, in terms of right. uh, when you add, um, when you go heavy uh, with weights, and when you try to lighten the the burden. So. It seems like that the OKC had two moments in the season at the beginning and right now where their physical um, stamina and it's not up to the up to other teams. I wonder if that is some is just uh, the fact that Melo is tired and it's not in the perfect shape, or if they are trying to to put a bit of work now uh, to prepare for the playoffs. Uh, it's it's not unconventional to do so. So I really wonder. Like we will not know that we we cannot know that because yeah. it's very private. But it's it's something to keep in mind that we don't know that, and sometimes we see we we jump into a conclusion about like the status of a player without knowing mm-hmm. uh, the, the the real plan. Uh, 
And I'm not saying if you're wrong, because again, I have no informations, but, um, but it's something to keep in your mind when you, when you discuss Melo, which looked like a lot, uh, like a player who's tired or has some, who needs some rest. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, that we all, we have a very limited scope on what we see with this team. We see him on the court. We see him, you know, in the locker room after the game. Uh, most reporters see him at practice, but you don't get to watch practice. And like, that's it. And so like, we don't know a lot of what's happening behind the scenes. And there could be, yeah, there could be more than meets the eye for sure. Um, a couple more issues. One, Paul George. Still hasn't found his rhythm behind the three-point line. He was one of eight from three on Saturday night. Uh, he still contributed in a lot of other ways. Ten boards, five assists, uh, a steal, two blocks. He had four turnovers, though. I I don't know when it's going to happen, but I just have to... I just imagine that you know during the next week or so, he's going to get his stroke back and that he's just in a mini slump. Um but it is a little bit concerning because, you know, when they head in, you know, the Clippers come into town on Friday. Like, that's a that's a big-time game. And if Paul George isn't <laughs> shooting well, you probably don't win that game. Uh, and then the next week, early the next two weeks, are going to be really tough uh, because you have Toronto, Boston, Miami um, next week. Uh, three really tough games. And then you have the next week, Portland, San Antonio, Denver. And that's really tough. And the week after that, Pelicans, Golden State, Houston. Wow, like that's tough. Mm-hmm. And then you end with Miami and Memphis, which is nice. But like that's a tough three weeks. And if Paul George isn't shooting, you know, his you know, forty ish percent from three, then it's gonna be really tough to win, you know, it's gonna be tough to be five hundred, which is what the Thunder will need to be in that stretch, in my opinion. If they can finish out this week and win these three games, I think that they will have cushioned themselves enough to be 500 and still not be this, you know, stay away from the seventh or eighth seed. But um, Paul has got to find his stroke from three. Yeah, and it's it's really weird. Uh, like his uh, percentage uh, over the last nine games, I'm looking like a, from half February, he is shooting uh, 0%, like none, when he's uh, guarded in a tight way. Very tight weight, so between zero and two feet. Six point seven percent when he's uh, tight, so two from four. Thirty-eight point five when it's uh, from four to six, so open, and thirty point four, which is incredibly low um, when he's wide open. Hmm. Uh, this is something I'm not uh, like. These percentage are not real. Like, yeah. <laughs> full stop. So they will come back to Earth, and as soon as they will, OKC will immediately find himself with a very good offense, uh, especially if they continue to do all the other stuff. Yeah. Because I thought that in the last game, uh, like, PG had good looks. Now, I can uh, look specifically for that game uh, in a second. He had, like, one contested three, very contested, two tight, so, like, two from four feet, and five open to wide open trees. Yeah. So, and, he, and he made one. Like, <laughs> he made one, which was from four to six. He had, like, one wide open and nothing there. Yeah. So, it's it's not going to continue. Like, this is uh, what numbers tell us, and 
the, like for the season, Paul George has amazing percentage in open to wide open trees, and he's taking a lot. So there, there's no issue in issues in terms of shot quality. Um, Russ is generating good shots for them, uh, for both Melo and George. It's just a matter of time, and sometimes players go now like two to three games or ten games even um, shooting slump, and then they will go back to their normal percentage. I mean, Clay Thompson is not, is not shooting the ball particularly well in, in that in, in this stretch either. But no one worries because the Warriors has like forty nine wins, right? So it's all situational, and I think he will go back to his usual self in in a heartbeat. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's it's just a matter of time before that happens. Uh, last thing before we move on is Stephen Adams sprained his ankle against the Spurs. He was out. He never came back to the bench. We didn't really hear or see him after the game, uh, which is concerning. Like, if you don't have Steven Adams, you know, like everybody's been like, the Thunder without Andre Robertson really suck. Well, the Thunder without Steven Adams, like, that's a a terrifying thought um, because of all the extra possessions he creates and the chaos he creates on the defensive end and his growing offensive load. Um, in which there was, I don't know if you remember this possession in the Spurs game, but there was a possession where he started to back down the Marcus Aldridge. He ended up traveling, but he like put on some like real post moves. And I was yeah. like, what, what is that? Like, where, where did that come from? Like, is that Steve, Steve, is that you? Like, it was really strange, but it was like something that you could tell that he's been working on. And I don't, I don't expect the Thunder to go to it a lot, but he looked besides the travel, like he looked like he was putting himself in a pretty good position. Um, but I thought that was interesting, but the thunder need him badly. Nick Collison. He was awesome. It was a great moment in thunder history where he comes in, scores seven points, the crowd chance MVP for him when he's at the free throw line. It was, it was great. It was fantastic. But the reality is that the thunder needs even Adams to be an effective team. And so hopefully it's a, a minor tweak and he maybe sits out tonight. Maybe he sits out these two games, but they, they certainly need him uh, on Friday against the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, and like from, I, I watched the replay like two or three times because I was, uh, I was watching the game like um, yesterday morning and it looked like a very mild week mm-hmm. but since he's a massive human being like probably if that was me or a light person uh, that is probably nothing yeah. uh, but since it's steven i mean he's like particularly heavy and strong and so we, we cannot judge um like it seems that since the the status is doubtful um it looked like something that is not uh, decisive, so something minor, but uh, we don't know yet uh, the details, of course. I think that they will probably try to play Dakari tonight Yeah, uh, and, and see how it goes. Atlanta doesn't have like real uh, threat in the post, so maybe they will try to play Dakari as well there, especially if they can um, take care of business against Sacramento. Uh, but who knows? I mean... Um, and to, to, to your point about uh, Stephen Adams posting up, I mean, even his first basket against uh, against Gasol was particularly impressive mm-hmm. because he faked uh, a post move going to his right shoulder. 
and then he immediately went baseline and did a reverse layup with his left hand. That was amazingly hard to do. Like he he was not this player like three four seasons ago seasons ago, and now in one season he basically put like a wide array of post moves uh, to like to show he's showcasing this array of moves which are impressive and. I was talking like privately with Fred, and we were discussing um, Capella and uh, and Adams, mm-hmm. and I think that this is what separates uh, Adams from other rim running centers: is his ability to to take care of business when they give him the ball in the post and yeah. going one on one. Because this is something that is at the beginning, like it's early stage of his post uh, moves uh, learning uh, curve. And so if you project that in a season or two, it's terrifying how good is is become and can become, Stephen. Yeah, without a doubt. And and also his floater is yeah. incredibly valuable. Because you even look at a guy like Andre Drummond, who we both agreed, like it's kind of a toss-up who we'd rather have between those two at this point because of how much Drummond has improved. But on Dunked On this morning, they talked about how he shoots 27% from floater from floater range um mm-hmm. which is like like wow like the thunder would be kind of screwed <laughs> if steven yeah. Adams shot 27 percent from floater range because that's a big weapon that they use quite a bit at least in the first half they use it quite a bit but it's a it's a big weapon that they use and it really helps kind of clear the lane for russ to get to the basket if he's standing out there because they know they can't they can't leave him because it's an easy two points for him yeah he's shooting like 48 from floater range, which is elite in terms of like yeah. any player, not just centers. Right. Uh, I was watching into stats this morning uh, to prepare our little game, and the shot chart is pretty telling. From there, he's one of the best, and it's uh, his push shots are amazing for for what you said because you, you can you can stretch the big a bit, and this generates a lot of space um, for others and. And since it's effective, that can be a weapon for for him. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steven is he's incredible. And if he had any kind of ego, like he could be a fifteen and twelve guy. You know, if he if he cared about rebounds and if he cared about scoring, like he'd be fifteen, sixteen, and twelve. Like I just feel like he he could be that kind of guy, but. He's the best guy for this particular team because what he does is he scores when he needs to. He plays defense all the time and helps. Gen- you know, he sets the best screens in the league. I feel like, and you know, generates extra possessions for this team. And it's just perfect for the kind of team that they have. And if they didn't have him, I mean, like think I, you think of a world where instead of Robertson going down, it's Adams. Like I feel like the Thunder can recover from uh, an Andre Robertson, you know, absence. Like I just feel like they they can. I don't think they can be as good, but I think they can recover. I don't think they could recover from a Stephen Adams loss. Like I, ju- I really don't. I I think that that would be too much to overcome. They would have to change what they do way too much. Um, so he's he's just incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, he is and. I think that in a season or two, in a season or two, especially if the outlook of the team uh, is different, uh, so with more spacing around him, he can like easily average what you said, 
because he now he's at 14 plus 9. So it's it's not very far from that. And if you take out like all the rebounds, he's basically providing for his uh, guards. Um, that is basically his average already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... He's a very, very good, very valuable, and he's still young. Like he's still developing, and I think we kind of take that for granted sometimes. But he's, if you know, if, if Paul decides to stay, and you have a core of Russ, Paul, and Stephen Adams, like this team's going to get better. Like Stephen Adams next year, he'll be a better player, and he may yeah. be more comfortable on the offensive end and willing to take on that role. You know, Mello, Mello will be here. Like if that team's, if this team decides to stay together, Mello will be here. Even if they, even if Paul George leaves, I think Mello will be here. Um, and we may not count on him as a third scoring option anymore because I think that Adams could develop into that kind of player because I feel like he has that kind of potential. Um, before we move on, I need to tell you about Andy's frozen custard, Michele. Right now, you can get their mint cookie concrete. Uh, you can get it in their vanilla or chocolate custard, uh, and it's unbelievable. It's got real cookies inside of it. It's got real mint flavoring in it, uh, and it's delightful. You can go to Andy's Frozen Custard today. They make their custard fresh hour by hour. You can actually watch it being made, and it's unbelievable. They have locations in Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, Colorado, Arizona, Arkansas, Missouri, you've got to go. I know we have listeners in all those states. If you have the chance, you need to go check out Names Frozen Custard uh, just because it's fresh, it's delicious. They have so many combinations. My wife took my kids over the weekend, uh, and they had some great... uh, I think my wife had a Heath Bar concrete that was really good. Uh, my one of my sons really likes to have the a dipped chocolate um like a, it's like an ice cream bar on a stick that he really loves so you've got to go check out andy's frozen custard today support the people that support down to dunk and eat at andy's well i know i will do it in uh two in two weeks yes so. that's so uh-huh. exciting I think I don't know if we mentioned it, but uh, McKelly's coming to the U.S. here in a couple weeks, and McKelly and I have never met in person, and we get to meet in person here in a couple weeks and have a meal together and, and hang out. So we're I'm just ecstatic about that. So yeah, me too. It's gonna be great. Uh, all right, McKelly, you have a game for us? Yeah, uh, my usual um, fun with stats. And today my provider is Synergy. And so we will look into these um, play type stats. And the first game is true or false. Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Steven Adams has a better percentage than Jeremy Grant on cuts. True or false? Oh, man. Oh. True. It is false, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeremy Grant is on 40 possessions, is shooting 72% on cuts. Woo! While Stephen Adams, which is incredibly good as well, he's at 69.1. Wow. So it was really tight, and they are both great. And thanks to Raymond Felton and Russell Westbrook for providing him passes <laughs> on those situations. Man, Jeremy uh, Grant, like, I, I was wrong about him. And maybe I wasn't wrong about him at the time, but he's improved enough to where I was wrong about him. Yeah, me too. I I, I still 
to to have him above certain players that I have in mind uh, in the same like ballpark, he has to to show me that he can shoot the three at a reasonable percentage and yeah. that he can make a simple pass like any backup pass um, when he takes the ball on pick and roll situations. But he has improved a lot and he's just he has worked like a lot on stuff that OKC needs. And I thought that, like, he's transitioning from a small forward position to a center one. Yeah. And it's it's not easy to do in one season, and he's doing it. So, yeah. yeah. So, Shout out to Jeremy for... Post-All-Star post break, he's 36% from three. Exactly, yeah. And pre, he's 26% from three. Yeah. But you, can, you notice the difference. Like, the... the He's really improving on that end. That in terms of that three pointer at the end of the game that gave Russell Westbrook the triple double. I think it put the Thunder up twelve, and it like the Spurs were creeping back in the game. They really yeah. were, and it felt like if Jeremy didn't hit that shot, like I got I got I don't I don't think the Spurs would win, but it would be like a four point game finish, like as a four point game. It felt like, but he Another hit that three. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it and it felt like that felt like it demoralized the Spurs a little bit and it, mm-hmm. it effectively ended the game. And so that was a huge shot and he took it with confidence. Like his, everything looked really good. I feel like he got his feet set really well. Uh, it was great. And if Jeremy Grant, and I don't expect him to be 36% for the rest of the season, but if he can be 34, 33, like, wow, like that's a real weapon that they will use yep. in the playoffs, a real weapon. So shout out to Jeremy. Yep. Second question: Does Russell Westbrook sh- uh, shoot better uh, after timeouts? Huh? Uh, is it tr- true or false? Russell Westbrook shoots better after timeouts. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh boy. True. It's true. Um, on on one hundred and seventy-seven possessions after timeouts, he's shooting forty-six point nine percent from the field uh, on a good, like, effective field goal, and he's actually better than his overall um, percentage. So yes, uh, apparently he runs well after timeouts. That's a lot of possessions too. That's not nothing. Yeah, yeah. According to Synergy, um, the third one is is. Josh Eustis um, worse than Melo in guarding isolations. Mm. True. It is true. Actually, Melo, yeah, Melo in terms of effective field goal is better than Josh Eustis in guarding isolations. Uh, Granted, I'm not sure ISO is the best way to attack Melo. Um, right. It's rather, uh, it's better to attack him from like pick and roll situations. But still, it means that Melo is holding his own uh, in terms of um, when he's paired one on one in like not screening situations, but just like he, you go in ISO. Mm-hmm. Last one uh, from this true or false. Um, uh, true or false. Paul, Paul, Paul George is the best OKC player in isolation in, on offense. Hmm. True. That's false. Melo is the best at 46.8 in terms of field goal percentage. And he's actually above Paul George. What's not not much. Not much. But uh, What's Paul at? I lost it. So I don't know by heart, but it was like uh, one point 
five uh, percentage less, so okay. it's it's not a big deal. But it's weird that still Melo is not awful in terms of um, uh, isolations, at least in his team. Like Russ was way below. Oh yeah, and it, well, it just makes you wonder. Like Paul still hasn't found a groove with the bench units, mm. and it just makes you wonder. Like, would Melo be better? playing like a majority of his minutes with the bench and he doesn't have to come off the bench but he can start the game he can start the third quarter but if you keep him in the game a little bit longer and then you can play more minutes with you know patrick patterson with the starters or jeremy grant with the starters i just don't know if the team would be better off because i think that the ultimate destiny of Carmelo Anthony, you know, if he's going to play in the league for five more years, is bench score. You know, yeah. like he, I, I just don't think that he's going to be starting caliber uh, or play good enough defense to be a starting caliber player in this league. Uh, but as a bench score, like he could be killer. <clears throat> he yeah. could be, he could be really, really good. And some people like question like how good he is still, and I get that. But he's still going to play in the league for a while. Uh, he shouldn't be making the money that he is now, um, but he he certainly earned that contract early on, um, and this is just this is just the way that NBA contracts work out. Like the same thing happened with D Wade. Like this this is the progression that these guys make. Um, but I still feel like Melo will be able to be in the league for a long time because he can still shoot it, um, and he can still create. And so if if the Thunder you know, are able to keep this team together. I don't expect Melo to like go to the bench next season, but they need to start talking about it. If Melo is like a long-term, if he likes being in Oklahoma city, which I I don't, I have no idea if he like truly does. Like, I think that he's happy here, but I I don't know how happy he is. Uh, If this is like a long-term destination for him, I think his ultimate destiny is bench, bench score. Yeah. And, Again, I wonder, maybe this is just wishful thinking, if Billy really found something that was working uh, in the early part of the season, mm-hmm. um, found that that was good for the bench, but not optimal for the starters, and said, well, I know that this will work, because Melo is always able to find a shot, and like Felton has a very good chemistry with Melo anyway, mm-hmm. so this is a plug-and-play thing. They will find group, like find their groove immediately basically so let's keep that as a something that i will do in playoffs time when so that people cannot scout that as much i i don't know if that is the case but it may be and if so i'm like more and more willing to say well they will probably this that move like doing that move now so making Melo come um, play with the bench maybe can buy okc one or two wins yeah, and I am well. Probably the staff is convinced that that will not matter as much uh, as if yeah. they use it coming playoffs time. So I don't know, but that can be something to keep in mind. Yeah, according to cleaning the glass, uh, Paul George without Adams, Westbrook, or Mello uh, on the court with him, minus seventeen point one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not working. Felton, Abrinas, George, Grant, Patterson, minus 21.6 in 204 possessions. Yeah, it is discouraging. Uh, the same with Melo on and George off, I imagine, is pretty nice. 
It is. They're all positive. Here, here's one positive, and this is a new lineup. They have at, they've had 18 possessions. Uh, Felton, Brewer, George, Grant, Patterson, plus 27.8. So Corey Brewer is the savior of all lineups, <laughs> the savior of our season, the savior <laughs> of the Thunder. <laughs> or that lineup played against Phoenix Suns. Uh, Just yeah, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's probably the case. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the one that ended the game there, right? In the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. I think that, that is the, or in the second, I don't remember, but I, I think they played that lineup against Phoenix. Hey, here's how I know that Corey Brewer is better than Andre Robertson because that same lineup with Robertson instead of Brewer minus 19.7. We've, yeah. we found our savior. It's, it's Corey Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready for am i better worse than my opponent i uh, couldn't be more ready okay so i used like synergy lineup and as always i give you the name of one thunder player and other players from the teams that we are going to face uh next week and so we have like toronto and their guy for these particular stats, which like astonished me a bit, is DeMar DeRozan. Uh, then Lou Williams for the Clippers, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich for the Sacramento Kings, and Dennis Schroeder for uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Our guy is Paul George, is the most effective pick and roll player um, of OKC, which is weird. Um, is Paul George the best player of the pack? Hmm. I must say yes. No. Actually, no. And the best guy uh, is DeMar DeRozan. Oh, boy. 0.94, which is incredibly good in pick and roll situation. Wow. Paul George is not bad. He's um, 0.89. Okay. And Russell yeah, Westbrook is 0.81, which made me so sad. <laughs> sad. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, in your face, Taylor, about DeMar DeRozan. In your face. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been good. Lou Williams is good as well. Uh, the other guys are worse than Paul George, but yeah. not much. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the second stat is transition points, and the minimum here is a bit lower. Uh, One hundred and fifty transition possessions. Uh, the guy are the guys are Demar Derozan again, uh, Lou Williams. Um, Prince from Atlanta and Buddy Hill from Sacramento. Our guy is again Paul George. What's is the, he the bet? What's the stat again? Go ahead. Uh, transition points. Okay. Points per possessions. Oh, I'm gonna say he's worse. He's not the best of the pack. Yeah. He's not the worst. He's the second best of the pack. But the first one is again Demar Derozan. Oh, in point. your face, Taylor. <laughs> But listen to the numbers because these are crazy. So Paul George is uh, is good for second in in, in this category. Yeah. 1.09, uh, mm-hmm. which is okay. The Rosen is 1.27. <laughs> like oh, I was afraid. Wow. I was afraid about the numbers because I thought they were wrong. But actually, well, at least according to Synergy, this is. The, the stats for DeMar DeRozan, which has been crazy efficient this season. And it's the reason why Toronto is actually amazing. Wow. But anyway, last, last one, uh, post-up. And now we are uh, switching to I am the worst of the pack. Um, so from Atlanta, no one basically uh, 
does post-ups. Uh, I, I set the threshold to 150, and the, the most in Atlanta was at like 35. So <laughs> it's basically no one does it there. That's and crazy. the guys are Carmelo Anthony, Montred Harrell, um, Randolph, and Valanciunas. And our guy is Carmelo Anthony. Hmm. And the stat, the stat again. Uh, points per possession in post-up situation. Okay. Is Carmelo Anthony the worst of the pack? Oh man. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he is <laughs> at point eight eight three, which is really disappointing. Oh instead. man, that is sad. Yeah, um, but he is generating a better um, outcome when he's passing the ball, which is kind of encouraging uh, on that end. But he's like post up for himself has not worked out so far, and that is that that actually meets uh, the eye test. Yeah, yeah, it does. He's he's struggled for sure. Yeah, but looking at these stats, I I I was looking for. Um, uh, like guys in the tunnel that were actually leading uh, in some offensive category, and I struggle, really struggle to find one. Uh, well, so, not yeah. with Demar Derozan in there, man. You can't. No one yeah. can beat Demar. Uh, generally, Toronto guys were always above. Like even post ups. Stephen is particularly good at post ups, but Valenciennes is better than that. Wow, uh, he's one point twelve in post up situation for Valenciennes. Oh, wow. he's like it, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, the space out offense that Toronto has now is actually giving uh, like their main post guy uh, more room, and everyone is shooting career percentage basically. That Toronto team's for real. Like they're yeah, they're good. They're really good. Demar has really he's improved. Like he could be a candidate. He wouldn't win, but he'd be a candidate for most improved with how he's been able to change his game and get better. Like he's he's been very good, and then they've got all their role players, and they've got our favorite player in the league, OG Ananobi. Like they've they've yeah. got they've got a great squad. The Ananobi pick, I just it still just kills me, Michele. Yeah, it still just kills me because I feel like he's going to be so good for them, and could end up being like their second or third best player here in the next like four years. And you know, I I still I like Ferguson's potential, but. I feel like I'm going to throw up right now. <laughs> it's something it's something like 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 think about Presti way to draft. Like it seems like up until the uh, 2017 draft it was always going for well let's get a long guy great physical attitudes uh, amazing defender in college we cannot really shoot the ball and let's teach him to how to shoot. Yeah. Like it seems like the ammo was like from uh, Andre Robertson, Josh Eustis. Um, I'm missing someone, but I think there was at least another one who fits that mold. But uh, well, and they've traded well, for guys like that too, like a top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Tabo, uh, Jeremy Grant, and now, yeah. and now it seems like let, no, let's go for the highest potential in terms of shooting, and uh, and let's go with Ferguson, which was like a crazy good a three-point shooter in high school and was like a top 12 recruiter. So like all talent in terms of offense and very poor aware in terms of defense because like 
it's, it's like like not let's not go with Anobi because he we will not uh, teach him how to shoot and boom immediately Anobi shoots like forty percent from three. It's it's like the, the, these kind of picks are jinxed for OKC. Yeah, it it does kind of feel that way. Yeah, there's been some. I mean, the Ferguson pick, like I get it. Like he is a great athlete and yeah. you know has some length and can shoot it. Like I I get it. But he's Presley's had some some strange picks in the twenties, you know, as of late. I, I just I can't help but think of Mitch McGarry, you know, like that, like that pick ended up look. It just looks so so bad now. <laughs> but remember, I well. I know, I know. Uh, and the combo, McGarry used this when Gary Harris goes at 19. It's it's not good. Yeah. Because you, you think that you can trade two picks for raise one spot or two spots. Yeah. So, and there's Capella there, I think, mm-hmm. available. Yep, Capella was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rodney Hood. And, and, but I think that what what Presti was looking for was a guy uh, coming from the bench, um, going to that Collison-like role, uh, with Collison still here to teach him how to how to do so. Uh, and Mitch was really a, 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 general, a floor general guy. He was able to dribble the ball, to pass the ball. He was crafty with the, with his hands. He was able to shoot it. I'm sure that having him had like less problem with addictions and stuff like that. He would have been like an amazing player. Issue is like he had those problems and he was never able to overcome them. Um, but it, it made it made sense in terms of roster construction with that team because Enes Kanter made sense with that team as well. Yeah. yeah. And if if McGarry is not what he was was not like uh, a guy that couldn't um, follow the rules. Uh, I'm not sure Presti pulled that pulls that uh, NS counter trade because mm-hmm. the, the production we had from McGarry like in his like, early um, appearance with OKC were like amazing I remember a game in Portland when, where he was making like double doubles in 10 minutes off the bench you remember yeah. that those yeah. games well the the end of that season where the Thunder ended up missing the playoffs like he was like good yeah and you're, you're right. The pick, if he was able to stay away from his drug addiction and, you know, get in good shape, like he would be a, a valuable bench piece to this current team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you would, he would he would be the backup center for this team is what he would yeah. be. Uh, and the Thunder would still have him on the cheap right now. Um, and he could score and he could be... He's a good rebounder. Yeah, he he had some solid solid games. I was going to look up some of his. Yeah, but look stats. at the passing, the passing. The, 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 sure. Like I I remember him running the transition and dishing from the, the dribble. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's it's a bad uh, comp that I'm going to throw now, but just to, to give an idea, like centers with like uh, ability to, abilities to move the ball, pass it, rebounding and and scoring. Uh, and having like potential in defense because Mitch was not a bad defender in college. Like his yeah. first year, he was like a diehard guy, like ready to to fight every night. Like almost like Stephen Adams in terms of like ability to to put his body uh, on other guys. 
And if you if you have a, a Horford light in McGarry with more rebound and maybe less IQ, wouldn't be a great pick for twenty one. I'm sh- like sure it is. Mm-hmm. The issue is that that pick went horribly wrong uh, for reasons that actually, well, maybe uh, there the staff could have done something like more due diligence, more stuff, but you, you never know. And maybe the risk was worth it because we, we obviously we, we just see the, like the, the, the real out- outcome and not like the, uh, the other ones that could have been there uh, had Mitch McGarry pull it together. Uh, after his first season mm-hmm. yeah he had two games back to back his rookie season it was actually his second or his third and fourth games played because he was inactive for most of the season yeah but he was 19 and 10 against the clippers and then he went 17 and 10 against the nuggets uh in back-to-back games which was pretty impressive yeah, um, yeah. but yeah there were i mean rodney hood shabazz napier clint capella the uh, Bogdanovich, the uh, Sacramento Kings, Bogdanovich. Um, yeah, but yeah. Kyle, him, Kyle I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like that pick uh, for for, for uh, OKC. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like Anderson as a player as much as other. I think that he will be uh, not as good in basically any other situation. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get. I I buy that too. Yeah. So I'm. I'm not sure, but uh, and also the other guys, except for Capella and, and Hood. But to me, the thing that stings the most is, is Gary Harris. I was incredibly high oh, on man. Gary Harris. Yeah, and he was kind of there, like not really there, but kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of teams that are kicking themselves right now for that. Uh, Phoenix took Tyler Ennis. Boston took James Young. <laughs> Atlanta took Adrian Payne. <laughs> <laughs> was out of the league real fast, but but Payne was Payne was another project that I I I, I have to say that I was high on him, yeah, and I was horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, today you got a show where we talked about the Thunder and a lot about Mitch McGarry, so you got a little <laughs> bit more than you bargained for, <laughs> listeners. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. Uh, you can follow Michele on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You got to follow him. He's a great follow. If you want to be a smarter Thunder fan, you should be following him on Twitter. You can follow us at Down to Dunk. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. You guys have been incredible at leaving five star reviews for us. Some really nice notes that you left too um on our itunes profile that means a lot to us let's keep that rolling i know we still have a ton of people that listen every week that haven't left those yet and i know probably a lot of you listen in another way but if you can get to a computer or if you have an iphone and it's on uh if you have the app uh please go into the app search down to dunk hit five stars for us leave us a review um if you have time to do that as well but those just really help out. And so if we can keep that rolling, that'd be fantastic. Uh, this week we hit 500 episodes on Friday, which is kind of exciting for us uh, because we in Oklahoma love arbitrary numbers. So we're excited to celebrate that arbitrary number. Uh, we just thank you again for listening. Uh, it means the world to us that so many of you do listen to us um, and kind of have made a dream come true for a lot of us that are involved with Down to Duck. So we just appreciate you guys. Uh, hope you have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. 
Awesome. Mitch Begary. <laughs> 10 of 13 from the field against Portland. Then they trade for Ennis and he never recovers. <laughs> 